Good morning. It's good to be with you today. Are you here with you? Good morning. Okay, just want to check. Uh, my name is Nate Paragoy, and uh, I'm really honored to join you this morning. As Katie said, uh, I'm one of the pastors at Our Father in Centennial on the south end of Denver, and I live in Littleton with my wife Jackie and our two boys. And it was so great driving down here this morning, coming through Larkspur, seeing the sunrise come up out the driver's window. It's a good day to live in Colorado today, you know? Uh, my mom and dad, Spencer and Rhonda, are uh, worship here and are members at our at Family of Christ. And usually they're visiting me and uh, I'm preaching to them. And today I'm visiting them and preaching to them. So uh, they're here with us this morning. Uh, so it's here, if you got a Bible, what I'd like you to do, you brought your phone with you, you got an app on your phone, open up to Luke chapter 1. We're going to camp out here in these well-known verses, probably to you if you grew up in the church. We're going to zoom in on the Holy Family, first Mary, and then we're going to rewind and look back at Elizabeth and Zechariah. And uh, while you're turning there, let me ask you this. Do you have anything special on your Christmas list this year? Think about it. What are you asking for? What are you hoping for? Uh, this is my five-year-old son, Jude. And that's him in the uh, elf hat that he made at the preschool at our church. And uh, I was talking to Jude the other morning, and I said, Jude, what do you want for Christmas? And he said, he's very precocious. He said, Dad, I want a Lego set. I said, okay, check. He said, I want a rescue bot, Transformer. Yeah, you know this, that the Transformers have a new spinoff. If you've got young kids or grandkids, you want to check that out. Uh, and he said, I said, okay, anything else? He said, yeah. Oh, I want a dinosaur. I said, oh, okay, what kind? You know, thinking he was going to tell me, like, the name of a kind of dinosaur? No. He said, I want a pet dinosaur. <laughs> I said, okay, just a pet. What kind? He said, oh, just a T-Rex. I said, yeah. Isn't it great? You know, when you're a kid, especially at Christmas, anything is possible. Uh, we're going to... Uh, finish counting down the days to Christmas. We've got a little chain, we, you know, made of paper that we're, you know, taking one ring off every day. We're going to take some laps around the neighborhood. Two weeks from this morning, about this time, there's going to be wrapping paper all over my living room. It's almost better than being a child. It's to see Christmas through the eyes of a child. But I think something happens along the way. The older we get, less and less the awe and the wonder of Christmas is for us. It seems to fade. It seems to disappear. You know, between the things we have to do, parties and Christmas programs, big Christmas program coming up in about an hour from now right here, and presents to wrap, somehow, Somewhere along the way, the older we get, the awe of Christmas just kind of seems to fade. What's on your list? Not just the things that you want at Christmas, but what's on your list? The things that you've longed for in your life that could be different this year. And maybe you're praying for those. 
Or maybe you've stopped praying for some of those things altogether, the circumstances in your life and the people in your life that you care about and the way that you wish you could be different this year. What's on your list? Here's what I'd like to do over the next couple of minutes. To take a close look at Luke chapter 1, to zoom in on first Mary, then Zechariah, and we're going to see two things here. That because Christmas is true, number one, nothing is impossible, and no one is forgotten. In fact, I have a list of those two things on the screen to show you. Nothing is impossible, number one, and no one is forgotten, number two. All right, so number one, nothing is impossible. You got your Bible? Hope you do. You got a nap on your phone? I want to read a, a part of Luke chapter one. We're going to jump in with the Holy Family here that we meet first, Mary, verse 26. Gabriel appears to her. Jump down with me to verse 30 and 31. It says this, And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God, and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. Now, rightly so, Mary's a little confused about how this is going to take place. This is the only time this has ever happened in the history of history, right? So, Gabriel's going to give her a couple things right in a row. He's going to explain to her how this will happen, and he's going to give her proof of how this is already happening, and then he will give her a promise about what will happen. So an explanation, the proof, and the promise. Look down at verse 35. And the angel said to her, explanation, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be, called, to be born will be called Holy the Son of God. I'm sure Mary is still scratching her head at this point. Here's the proof. Gabriel says this. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. This is so fascinating to me, the beautiful symmetry of these two pregnancies. It's maybe lost on us at some point that God is doing something new in a young teenage woman creating life in her womb and an old barren woman who are related not simply by family ties, but because of what God is up to. He said, look at the proof. Here it is. I'm already up to other things. And then he will give a promise. The next verse that follows, verse 37, for nothing will be impossible with God. Whoa. Mary says, all right, I'll take it. Verse 38, behold, I am the Lord's servant. Let it be for me according to your word. And now everybody knows her name. I mean, after all, after Jesus, she's the next most famous person in the Christmas story. You might take a step back from this story, maybe familiar to you, and say, look at Mary's response. I mean, she didn't know. She stepped out in faith. I want to have that kind of faith where I follow Jesus and I take him in his word. But I want you to notice here that Mary is not simply taking the word of the angel on blind faith. Easy to miss. Go back to verse 29. It says this. But she was greatly troubled at the saying, when angel Gabriel appears to her, and here it is, tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. Tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. Uh, this is the Greek word, logizomai. 
We get our English word logic, logizomai. You want to learn something today? Say it back to me, logizomai. Very good. You got at least one thing out of worship today. Logizomai. We get our English word logic. It means to think through, to reason, to take an account. Maybe Mary was a thinker. Remember the Christmas story? Measure treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. Mary's been thinking about this conversation the whole way through. By the time she says, I'm in, may it be for me as you have said... She's not simply taking the word of the angel on blind faith. She's thinking it through. And she knows what it will cost her personally and socially. Because for Mary, it will cost her dearly to do this. Socially, in shame and honor culture where your family was everything, Mary is about to bring dishonor to her family and to its name. And people could count to nine. They knew the gap between her due date and her wedding date. And so it would mean for Mary being shunned by her community, people that she had known her whole life, and likely that her own family would be shunned as well, the baby in her womb. She has a price to pay. And she knows what it will cost her personally, not just socially, but Mary doesn't have the right to do what every human parent on earth has the right to do. Do you notice that? You have a stuffed animal? What do you get to do? You get to pick your stuffed animal's name. You have a dog. You have a pet. You get to pick your pet's name. What does Mary not get to do? She doesn't get to pick the name of her own child. So I can remember the morning Jude was born. Uh, in the weeks leading up to his birth, uh, Jackie had a list of names, and I had a list of names. And Jackie liked Jude, and I liked Judah. Can you guess who won that tug of war in our family? And the morning that Jackie's water broke, we were rushing to the hospital. He came three weeks early. And we knew this was going to be a big thing. I didn't know he was going to come that early, of course. Uh, he was born with a heart defect that had to be uh, corrected by open heart surgery a couple days after he was born. This is a big, tense deal for us. We're on the way to the hospital. I can remember exactly where we were on I-25. She likes Jude. I like Judah. She likes Jude. You know. We've got to figure this out before we get to the hospital. And I look at my hands on the steering wheel, and my knuckles are white. I look down. I look up. You know, cars are flying are by me at, you know, on either side. We're in the middle lane. And I look down at the dashboard, and I realize that I'm driving 50 miles an hour down I-25. Cars flying by. And so I did the only thing I could do. I let go. Not of the wheel, of course, but of what I wanted so that she could have what she wanted. Mary doesn't even get a list. You will call his name Jesus. And she has no right 
to do, or no option, no choice but to do what every human being on earth who's a parent has the fundamental right to do. She takes her hands off her life and says, I'll take it. Despite the cost to me socially and the cost to me personally, she comes and she says to the angel Gabriel, I'm in. And I would argue that the same thing has to happen for you and for me today. For this baby to come into your life for the very first time if you're here and you're not a Christian. Or for, for him to come into your life in a brand new way if you've known him for 40 or 50 years. You've got to put down your list. And to let go, to take your hands off your own life and your own set of conditions. The, the times that your heart has been whispering, I'll be okay if I could just get this done. And I'd be okay, except for the things that I've done. And I'll be okay, you hear her whisper this, if I could be the person that I long to become. Every human being on earth, no matter what we may say we believe about Jesus, no matter how long we've been a follower, has a list. And so the words of the angel, for, for nothing is impossible with God, some of us, sometimes those words seem like they're more for Mary than they may be for us. Maybe you found yourself wondering something like this. It says, that may be good for her, nothing's impossible for God, but what about me? And what about my list and the things that I've been praying for and the things that I've been longing for? Those things just don't seem possible. Because maybe you've been praying for them. And maybe you've given up praying for them altogether. So the question becomes, do the things that I've been praying for mean that they don't matter, for that matter, that I don't matter to him? So from nothing is impossible that brings us to our second point. No one is forgotten. Let's rewind. Five months and a few verses before this. If you got your Bible earlier, uh, we meet Zechariah and Elizabeth. Verse 5, let's zoom in on her. It says this. In the days of Herod, king of Judah, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah, which I think is how you say that. We'll find out when we get to heaven. Uh, and he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. But they had no child, because Elizabeth was barren, and they were both advanced in years. Now this is a big deal. Big deal today. It's a big deal back then, too. Because then of culture where family was everything, that Elizabeth can't provide an heir for her and Zechariah. It means they have no one to care for them. 
no income to provide for them in their old age. I mean, she brought no value to her family and for her people around her family, I mean, she had no value herself. And so Zechariah, her husband, goes to work one day, he's a priest in the temple, and here's what happens, verse 11. And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense, and Zechariah was troubled when he saw him, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard. And your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. I think there's something here, maybe these are familiar words to you, something here that's very easy for us to miss, and they are these words, for your prayer has been heard. This is a bit of conjecture, but if I were in Zachariah's shoes, if I were he and Elizabeth, and I had tried to start a family and wasn't able to do so, and tried again and wasn't able to do so and prayed to the Lord, children are a gift, would you give, give us a child? And did that for a number of years and a number of more years and a number of more years and looked at my own age and done the math Eventually, at some point, I would have given up. And I wouldn't just have given up, but I would have stopped praying for that altogether. I don't know, but maybe. This is a picture of my grandma, Natalie. Here she was a few years ago, and she's in heaven now. And uh, she grew up in Hibbing, Minnesota. Her dad was a Lutheran pastor small mining town, kind of southern Minnesota. Anybody from here from Minnesota this morning? A couple of you, all right, on this side, three of you. Very good, so Austin, Minnesota is where she met my grandfather. He was in sales and started his career selling meat for the Hormel Meat Company and got into computers, was working for IBM and was in Louisville, Kentucky where they're trying to start a family and they can't. Prayed. Tried, prayed, tried, couldn't. I turned to Lutheran Family Services and adopted my dad. He was here this morning. And adopted my aunt a couple years after that. He's transferred to Bethesda, Maryland, transferred to Denver, Colorado. He worked in the early 70s at the first building that went up in the tech center. My dad goes to high school, spends his last two years here in high school at Denver Lutheran High School. And there he meets the men on the staff who inspire him, have a faith worth imitating, and a life worth imitating, and a calling that seems magnetic to him. And he says, I want to do what you do. And say, well, where can I go to do that? And they said, well, we went to Concordia University in Seward, Nebraska. He goes to Concordia University in Seward, Nebraska. There he meets my mom. I'm born a couple of years after they get married. Here's what I realized. That my grandparents probably prayed to have children. No stretch or conjecture to wonder that that was the case. And I realized that if 
God answered their prayer, then my dad is never adopted, and he never goes to Denver Lutheran High School, and he never meets the men there who inspired him to become a teacher, and he never goes into Lutheran ministry, and he never attends Concordia in Seward, Nebraska, and he never meets my mom. And if God answers their prayer, then that means that I'm not here today. What has been on your list of things that you've been praying for and longing for? And as many things are on your list, there are many more times, I would guess, if you're like me, that you've stopped praying for altogether. And echoing off the pages of scripture through time and space are these words from the angel Gabriel to your words, to your ears. Fear not, for your prayer has been heard. No matter how long you've been longing, no matter how long you've been praying, and even if you've stopped altogether, your prayer has been heard. That you are not forgotten and neither are the longings that you have. You see, Christmas is a sign that we have a God who is not content to send words of explanation. I mean, he said nothing is impossible. No one is forgotten. But for him, that was not enough. That he himself wanted to see creation through your eyes. He became weak. He was born as a baby. He grew into a man. And on the cross, what do we find? Jesus Christ, God himself, taking his hands off his life. To hold on to you. Despite what it may cost him, personally, physically, emotionally, spiritually, what do we find on the cross? Jesus Christ giving up his life, not simply because he had to, but because he chose to. And then he did the impossible. He came back from the dead and did something the world had never seen. He rises from the dead. Matthew records for us that there were bodies coming out of graves in the city of Jerusalem that day. He says to you, he makes a promise and says, for me, my empty tomb, I am just getting started. You have no idea what I'm about to do to bring down the new heavens and the new earth and to end disease and death and to remove the curse far as far as it is found and to make all things new, even you. So that you can look at your life and wonder. The things you know and the things that you don't know. So that you can let down your longings and give him your list. And say, even if what I've been praying for won't ever happen, I take my hands off my life. That's what Mary did. And that's what made her great. And that's what you do. And you'll be great too. And it won't matter who knows your name and it won't matter who doesn't. Because you have one, Jesus Christ, who knows you. Who died and rose. 
so that you could belong to him forever. In him, nothing is impossible. So pray with courage and boldness, and no one is forgotten. Remember that he knows your name and hears your cry too. In the name of Jesus, amen.